0: Then they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Isaiah, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven, we ask you as we do each week to be here in this place with us this morning. We trust that you have kept your promise and are here in our midst. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I recently had a conversation with a friend about uh, the state of sitcoms in the world today. We talked about some of the stone-cold classics like Cheers, Frasier, Seinfeld. Then we talked about sort of the second tier, you know, your friends, your Everybody Loves Raymond, your Taxi. And then we finally got around to talking about the bottom of the barrel, things like Yes, Dear, and Just Shoot Me, and The King of Queens. Now, I'm sorry if I've just named your favorite show of all time, but my friend suggested that no one could possibly like those shows very much. And I remember saying to him, I don't know, a lot of people watched those shows. They got good ratings and were on for a long time. I don't know if people would have kept watching if they didn't like it. I mean... Yes, Dear, a show that you definitely cannot name any of the four leads of, was on for six seasons. And The King of Queens, which stars Kevin James, is still on. I'm just kidding, it was cancelled in 2007, but you totally believed me for a second. It's actually Grey's Anatomy that is inexplicably still on the air. Craze Anatomy proves my friend's point, right? People watch things and keep watching things that are no good and that they don't even like. We do things that aren't good for us all the time. That's what we do. We spend hours on social media every day, even though survey after survey shows that people admit that using it makes them feel worse. I know that General sow's chicken Panda Express, Oreos, and Nutella are terrible for me, and yet we're running low on Nutella again. We humans seem to want things that we know will harm us. Nutella, Facebook, Kevin James. That's exactly what's going on in our reading from Nehemiah this morning. You can picture the scene, it's a big church service. The people of Israel have gathered together and they ask Ezra, their priest, to bring the book of the law and read it to them. Remember this, because this is sort of the key point to my sermon this morning. They ask for Ezra to bring the law to them. They're asking for it, literally. Nehemiah chapter 8. All the people of Israel gathered together in the square before the water gate they told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. So Ezra brings the book of the law to the gathered people and reads it to them all morning long. Right. We just read from early morning to midday. Now, these are super religious people, aren't they? They are so invested in hearing from their God that they have church from early in the morning until midday. And it sounds like a good church, too, because they have people there who help the congregation understand what's being read to them. But then something fascinating happens. After this morning-long church service spent reading the Book of the Law and worshiping the Lord... Nehemiah, Ezra, and the Levites realized something. All the people have broken down in tears. Nehemiah says that all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. So what has happened here? Well, it makes perfect sense. This is the way things go. This is the normal order of things. The people ask For the law, then the people hear and understand the law, and then the people are broken by the law. This is how it works, right? In each one of our lives, just imagine it. We think we want the rules, but as soon as we get and understand the rules, we are broken by the rules, This morning, I want to look briefly at sort of those three steps before announcing the good news about the way to break that cycle. First, we ask for the law. And this might sound counterintuitive, but we all do this all the time. You would think we'd want to be free, right? No rules, no restrictions. That's what you would think we want, like Outback Steakhouse or no rules just right that does sound, on the surface, pretty great in theory. But when you get right down to it, no rules means no way to tell how well we're doing. Don't we all make fun of those colleges that don't have grades? Right? We, we went to a school that had grades because we wanted to know just how well we are doing. And make no mistake, we are in love with ranking ourselves in this way by seeing where we fit on the scale. We're addicted to it. We always have our eyes out evaluating where we stand. Who's better? Who's worse? Where do I fit amongst the people I know? Who is above me? Who below? Or maybe we don't even need other people at all. Where do I stand in comparison to the person I want to be? We do this when we step on the scale every day. Where do I stand compared to the ideal me? I may not be as skinny as Rick down the street, but I'm sure not as big as Stan. Now, the law, whether it's the written down rules of God or the subconscious law of the world that everyone knows, is what places us on these scales what ranks us on the great continuum of our lives. Are we above Rick and below Stan? Are we doing better than so-and-so, but worse than someone else? The law is what tells us how to be good and allows us to know just how well we're doing. And we love it. We love to know who's a little bit more and who's a little bit less. We love that structure that lets us think of ourselves as good. We need some way to score points. And that way, that structure, is the law. And so we want it, we need it, we ask for it, because we need to know where we stand. But that leads to the problem. Because knowing where we stand is actually an incredibly burdensome knowledge. Stepping onto the scale is almost never a good thing because you see just how far you are from the person you ought to be. Now, it's certainly true that many of us act, at least on the outside, as though we're doing just fine on the scoreboard. Thank you very much. We're all relatively well-adjusted adults. We're doing better than our neighbors, and we can all see people out in the world that are looking up at us. And of course, this involves a little mental gymnastics that we do subconsciously in order to convince ourselves that we're okay. We willfully, though subconsciously, misunderstand the law. And that's why what happens to the Israelites in our reading feels a little foreign to us, that they have the law read to them and break down into tears. We don't do that. We're not so public about our misery because we have subconsciously misunderstood what the law actually requires. We turn something like be a good father into don't overtly neglect your family and be a relatively good provider. We turn... Laws of culture, like be beautiful, into always have at least two or three people around who are less attractive than you. And by these measures, we can, for a time, convince ourselves that we're doing okay. Except for the fact that we're not doing okay. I mean, who is doing okay? Maybe most of us would raise our hands, but come on. Prescriptions for antidepressants are going through the roof because we're doing okay. Elective plastic surgery is a $20 billion per year industry because we're doing okay. We're working ourselves to death and eating ourselves to death because we're doing okay. We're tindering and grindering each other and swiping left all night because we're doing okay. We're sacrificing our unborn children on the altar of so-called freedom because we're doing okay. We're not doing okay. And maybe none of these issues are your issue. And yet, here you find yourself. In an elementary school gym with roll away basketball hoops and a trailer outside, you're not here because you're doing okay. You're here because you know, deep down, like an itch that you can't scratch, that we're not doing okay. And so, more than we'd like to admit, we find ourselves just like those Israelites. In the square, outside the Watergate, broken down, weeping. The law has done its work. It is doing its work and will continue to do its work. And even if you've never had the Bible read out loud to you before this morning, you have looked at your life and you've seen it even if you've never shared it with anyone, you're not doing okay. I can tell you why. You look at your life, the life that you don't tell anyone about, and you see that if there is a holy God out there, there's no possible way that that holy God would want anything to do with a sinner like you. It's a terrible thought, a killer of a thought, that a holy God would want nothing to do with someone like me. But that's the law's purpose. That's why we read it to break us down. And when we hear the true standard, when we have the law properly interpreted for us, like those Israelites at the Watergate, it destroys us. We are exactly like the congregation spread out before Nehemiah. Broken down. Weeping. Destroyed. This is the first truth about the law. The first truth about true religion. That the law, the rules, the requirements properly understood will kill you. They will reduce you to tears and ruin your life. But that's not the end of the story. If the law kills, what brings life? If the law destroys, what resurrects? Well, let's see what Ezra and Nehemiah say to the people of Israel, lying on their faces, covered in tears, crushed by the weight of the law. Here's what they say. Go your way, eat the fat, drink sweet wine, and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord. Is your strength? They they look out at this congregation broken and in tears and they say, Go have a party because God will be your strength even in this time when you feel so weak, so broken. Now, wait a minute. You might say, how can this God, whose given law is so oppressive, whose holiness is so overwhelming that it breaks his people down to tears and destroys our lives every day, how can this God also be our strength? How can this God also be our protector, our refuge? In other words, how can the oncoming army also be our rescuer? How can the judge also be our defense attorney? Thankfully for us, the lawmaker and lawgiver is not our God's only face. Our God is also God the Son our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Rescuer, and He appears on the scene at just the right time. In Romans, we read that, that at just the right time, while we were ungodly, while we were still sinners, while we were being crushed, Christ came for us. While we were, like the Israelites, oppressed, by the law, broken down on our faces under the weight of our own failures, covered in tears, right then, Christ comes. Listen to Jesus' words in our reading from Luke this morning. This incredible time when he comes into public ministry in his hometown, the scroll of Isaiah is handed to him, and he reads... The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolls up the scroll and he sits down. And everyone is riveted on him. And then he says to the people, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The good news about Jesus Christ, the gospel that we preach, the announcement that prompts us to go eat and drink and have a party is that though the law comes to destroy us, it is also the mechanism by which we recognize our desperation and call out for our Savior. The law shows us our sin and reveals our need. So when the law comes to destroy The Son of God comes to resurrect. Our death is overturned by Christ's death. Our life is created by Christ's life. We hear the law and are brought to tears. We can never be good enough for a holy God. But then we hear the gospel and are moved to joy. A holy God was good enough for you. In Christ, we were poor, but are now rich. We were captive and are now released. We were blind, but now can see. We were oppressed, but now are free. In Christ, the Savior, that the law showed you your need for, And who the gospel announces to you in Christ. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Today is the day that the Lord shows favor to you. Amen.